Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you're joining us from around the world. Welcome to episode 64 of Web3 Warriors, featuring Sheila Darcy, aka Sketch Poetic, a visionary artist, author, and poet, uh, with her latest book, Sketch by Sketch, A Creative Path to Emotional Healing and Transformation, as well as VP of Innovation at WIM. Uh, thanks for joining us, Sheila. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you, David. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for joining. I'm so uh, looking forward to this conversation and really getting into uh, your story and really hearing more about what you've been doing in the space. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. I am David Chroma. I go by Chrome in the Metaverse. I'm your host for Web3 Warriors. And as I just mentioned, uh, this week we have Sheila Darcy on, and uh, she's been a very inspiring leader in the space. I always think back to the first time that I connected with you, Sheila, was in a spoken word room on Clubhouse. And uh, it was one of the few times that I've shared a little bit of poetry that I've created and uh, I, I was always grateful for that opportunity. And it was part of, you know, my evolution in Web3, really understanding how much community matters in Web3 and how much um, really just the people and the culture in the space is what's kept me around, despite the technology and some of the gaming implications that really interested me in the first place. Uh, so today for today's topic, we're going to just look at kind of Web3 and blockchain as always, um, but specifically how it can improve the life of creators and even from a healing perspective. Right. So obviously, there's always the opportunity to create new avenues for income, which is always good. But I think beyond that, um, looking at Web3 and blockchain and the way that it's really brought people together and the way that it's creating space for people that maybe didn't exist prior and how that can have a healing impact. And with it being Mental Health Awareness Month, I think we have a really great guest in you, Sheila, to really address this issue and talk about some of the stuff that you've done in the space and specifically how you've used art even more broadly outside of Web3 for healing and for creating, you know, kind of progress, personal progress, introspection, self-care, all those important things. So I look forward to getting into that. And uh, we're just really grateful for the community. And if you are interested, you can check out our website at web3warriors.io. It's a little corner of the metaverse that we have. We're actually building out an even bigger uh, plot in the metaverse that we're really excited about. But if you do check out the web3warriors.io, sign the guest book, you'd be entered to win a free wearable. And uh, we always appreciate the community coming through. Uh, so with all that, we'll be jumping over to Sheila. I'm really grateful that you're able to join Sheila. And maybe before we talk about your many projects and uh, what you've been able to do in the space, I just want to hear a little bit about, you know, what brought you to Web3 and blockchain, uh, if you don't mind. Thanks. Well, first of all, thank you for that lovely introduction. I uh, really, it's, uh, we've come full circle from our clubhouse days of arts and healing, which is the spoken word um, space you're talking about. But yeah, I think the first place we should start is my purpose and mission of elevating art as a tool for healing. Um, I've been in the digital agency space for almost two decades. So I'm call myself digitally born and bred. Tech has always fascinated me. And it's something that I've always been curious about. And so what brought me to Web3 was that was curiosity. I knew something was happening. I knew something was shifting. And at, at the time, I was also exploring my artist self. And so I saw this crossroads of art, tech, and I wanted to infuse wellness into it. So art, tech, and wellness is where I really, where I land in terms of the intersection. And because I'm so purpose-driven, it was really important for me to come into the Web3. At the time, it was called NFTs, and it's since kind of interchangeably spoken about as Web3. Um, when I came into the Web3 space, it was very important to me that I did so with intention. And so when I joined the NFT spaces. I remember joining Art Jedi and Trisha's room and I started to really hear all about NFTs. I always led with the fact that I created to heal and I did it to, 
to support my own mental health and have since become an advocate and a community builder around the healing collective, around using any form of creative expression, as you said, David, spoken word, dancing, music, all of the above. So that's what got me into the space in the first place. Very cool. Very cool. So tell us a little bit about your book, uh, Sketch by Sketch. I noticed that some of the um, pieces that you had, I believe, on foundation kind of spoke to the the book as well and were pulled from the book. So I don't know if you would consider it a fidgetal, quote unquote, kind of project. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, no, I'd love to a... hear a bit about the book and then we can get into kind of the NFT and why you incorporated NFTs as well. Well, this is a great example where the book came first. Right. NFTs came later. So what you're talking about is I did a series of 21 sketches. It was actually on known origin. Okay, yeah. And each chapter of my book had uh, one of the illustrations or sketches of my sketching poetic is the methodology. And it's also my handle on Twitter and, and Instagram. Uh, but yeah, my book is called Sketch by Sketch, A Creative Path to Emotional Healing and Transformation. And if you've ever heard about the book called The Artist's Way, which is a very popular Julia Cameron book, it was really about writing to help, you know, kind of release and start the day. And I, and I realized at the time I really wanted to address my mental health and my debilitating anxiety that I was facing. And I couldn't really talk about it. Like, I didn't know what I was feeling. I didn't know what I wanted to say. And the intuitive feel of, you know, mark making really helped me to express how I was feeling without words. And for any of you that have ever, you know, suffered from any sort of mental health issue, you, you understand that, you know, you don't want to necessarily talk about it. So daily sketching was my way. And the book was really my opportunity to get into a much, much larger audience and help people daily sketch to help with their own mental health. So that was really the purpose of the book published by Macmillan and Hay House. It's been translated to six languages and more wow. and available in all bookstores. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. And, and how many years Thank ago you. did that get released? Or how long? It was published. Yeah, it was a year and a half ago, year and it's and still half, doing well. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. So I Thank think you. on the on the known origin piece, so I did bring it up on the stream for those watching. Can see some of the beautiful artwork here. Uh, you mentioned that it was five years of daily sketching. So what were no, the six and a half? Six and a half six years. Six and a half then after. Yeah, no doubt. So you've been continuing with it even after the book's published. And and so oh, what yeah. are the real well, yeah. you know mental health benefits of daily sketching that you found? There's three. Um, when I talk about daily sketching, there's three, there's one called flow, which everyone is more familiar with. So when you are creating, you get intuitively in a state of flow and flow simply means you get lost in the space and time of, of creating. We all, we all get there. Eventually some people can get there immediately. Some people take a few minutes, some people take a longer. Uh, so flow is the first one. Second is play. So when we're creating, it's engage, engaging us to play and, and activate our imagination and through that, we're able to kind of shed all of the conditions and the containers we tend to have as adults right. living the world. And, and the older we get, we tend to play in uh, with rules and containers and free flow sketching or any sort of improv improvised, um, any sort of creation where you're not fixated on the outcome, but just enjoying the process is also very healing. And the third is introspection. So when I'm sketching, I, I notice what is coming through. And, you know, I don't know about you, David, but mm. I had a hard time meditating um, <laughs> because I my monkey brain was always like thinking. And I, I always used to beat myself up about meditating because I didn't know how to quiet my mind. And the great thing about daily sketching is it doesn't ask me to do that. It says it's OK. Thoughts, emotions, grocery lists or people flow through my head, all a current running through as I'm creating. So it allows me to really introspect on what are those things that are coming through and why are they coming through. So nice. curiosity is a thread through all of it. 
Wow. Very cool. Introspection, play, and flow state. I could see that. Yes. Definitely, uh, yeah. Wow, that's powerful. I hope our listeners are taking some pieces away from that. So what inspired the NFT side of it? So on Known Origin, you know, creating these specifically 21 sketches, what kind of inspired you to take that direction? Yeah, listen, I think with any of my collections, and I'm very thoughtful about dropping a collection or a piece, it, it takes me a time. I don't, I'm not one of those artists that drop all the time. Mm. And kudos to those that can. I think it's amazing. I technically could because I do create daily. Right. But the collection that I wanted, you know, this is one of the benefits of Web3 and the blockchain. I love the idea of taking something that was in the physical world, which is my book, and especially my sketches, because they are so meaningful. They do have some sort of expression and putting it in the blockchain so that it will live forever. And I think that is the hope, right? That is. And then as a collector collects those illustrations, I have a direct connection with that collector. So anyone that's ever collected my work has a piece, not only of my work, but also a heel coin, which is the NFT that um, ultimately is the big thing that I represent, which is healing in the space. That's beautiful. Tell us a little more about the heel coin. So any of your collectors get airdropped a heel coin? Every collector has. And I've also gifted the heel coin to anyone that um, I believe is advocating for mental health or advocating for arts and healing. So the heel coin I minted in November 2021. That's how long um, it's been around. And basically... Yeah, and it, it's representative. I actually have a, a web page on my website, sketchpoetic.com. But the idea is everyone was minting their art, right? Their art, their movies, their JPEGs, their GIFs. And I wanted to mint my intention on the blockchain. And my intention was really simple. The value of the coin would rise when the collective, the healing collective rises. Wow. And that was just from my own observation, David, that people in the healing spaces, I'm talking about people that do breath work and Reiki and meditation. Um, they're not as often as valued as, let, let's say, the tech giants of the world, right? The Amazons, the Facebooks. And my hope is that one day they are able to reside in the same place and space so that their work is valued. Same with artists. Artists that create to heal should be as valued as somebody that creates to sell in a gallery or get in Sotheby's. And right now it isn't it isn't equitable. How do you think and we get for, there? Because um, I feel like I've been saying yeah. I've been banging this drum from kind of the cultural perspective, because I think Correct. there is a certain element of healing right in taking culturally sensitive, culturally important and impactful stories that in some cases we're at risk of being completely lost. Right. And putting them on the blockchain. Um, I see that as immensely valuable. But to your point, the wider market, the wider space tends to not value those maybe as high. Like I look at a project like Afro droids and I wonder why it doesn't have, you know, the huge floor yes. price that some of these other projects that to my you know sense don't really have an impact in any real sense <laughs> compared to something like the Afro droids that has such social impact as well as cultural impact being the first from the continent or from nigeria specifically so yes. yeah how do you think we get there to this like place where the ones that are actually healing and providing some kind of more intrinsic value are actually monetarily valued as well first of all shout out to oo and yeah. afro droids i have four of them so i'm a nice. huge fan but i'm not going to answer this slightly philosophically but also personally and it might be also controversial one of the reasons I believe it's important for the healing collective to be seen is I, one of the biggest wounds I had around healing was money. Mm. You know, the, the idea of money and valuing my own worth. And so to answer your question directly, and this is the controversial part, is based on the workshops I've done and based on the communities I've spoken to, it is very common for people that do the work we do and do the art we do 
that we devalue ourselves, that we don't see ourselves as worthy. And therefore, whatever we feel inside of us is shown externally. So I'm going to answer it that way. I genuinely believe the moment we value the work we do to the point where we see it in that that same, similar status as, like I said, an Amazon. And if you talk to people, I don't think they do. I think they see it as valuable. But if you ask them to price it, very few would price it at that level hmm. because they're not comfortable with it. Not because the market isn't, but let's take some accountability and say, we're not comfortable with it. And I, this is where my personal story comes in. I, the Healing Collective has existed since November, 2021, but it truly, it only has been the last few months where I'm like, you know what? My art is worthy of three ETH or 10 ETH or 21 ETH, whatever you want to price it. But I think in the past, I would have been very uncomfortable to say that. Truly, because I wasn't ready to claim it. And so part of it is us claiming our worth. But secondly, flip the, flip the conversation and let's talk about the market. The market right now, and the market's really bad right now, I think, right. for many artists. And it's disappointing many that have come into the space for creative sovereignty. Mm-hmm. The collectors, whether you're here for the flip or you are here for the artist, and there are a few out there, or you're an artist supporting other artists, that's where I am. I spent so much of every ETH that I spent, I put it back into the community and I don't regret it because I truly am here for the culture too. No doubt. But the reality is if web two or web three invest people that are investing to make money off of something are looking for a return on investment. It's called business, the business of art and they need to see a path forward. So one of the things that I am now focusing on is showing how can the healing collective, how can I, as an artist, show a return on investment in terms of investing in me and my mission and my purpose. And I haven't really focused on that till now because I've been focused on my own self journey. So I'm balancing both. So that, that would be my answer, but it's a much more complex answer. But I think that the the shortest way to answer it is continue to carve a path and show value, but also know our own worth. That's beautiful. No, I think that there's a certain element of owning it and and stating that we are worth that value that is I- integral. You know, I think it, until we get to that place where we see the value, it's hard to say, hey, why doesn't the market value us when we're not okay. valuing these things um, ourselves for sure? Really great points. Um, yeah, it's a controversial. That. It's a controversial point because I don't want people to feel like I'm um, certainly shaming or judging people because I'm not saying that what I'm saying is if you truly ask yourself the question more often than not, you aren't confident in that value. And yeah. that's part of the, he- that's part of the healing. I think that's what we all have to, and most of the people fall in this bucket. There's very few people in the world that intrinsically feel that they're valuable, <laughs> but it's great yeah. that you do. And I, kudos it's, to those people. There's valuable and then there's monetarily valuable. Right. And I think that a lot yeah. of people have this internal struggle where, they have to think it's one or the other. And a lot of like people view money, unfortunately, from a negative light, not necessarily from, uh, you know, like a blessing or tapping into abundance, but rather greed and envy and, you know, all of the more negative connotations of capitalism, if you will. Um, So yeah, that's really interesting perspective. And I think it it makes sense because it's got to start somewhere. And um, I think collectors like myself, you know, I have a handful of uh, Afro droids as well. And maybe it's up to collectors who have the ability to try to put these kind of projects front and center as well, as well as the creators, because I think it kind of goes hand in hand. But yeah, it starts with the creator for sure, for sure. Um, So you mentioned the Healing Collective a few times there, and I just was scrolling through your timeline last night and saw that you guys actually had a IRL event kind of meeting up. So I'd love to hear about the Healing Collective and then specifically how it connects uh, with Web3, as well as your um, kind of IRL events that you seem to be hosting. It's very cool. Yeah, thank you. 
how much, first of all, the Healing Collective was born out of Web3. The Healing Collective would not have existed had it not initially been for Web3. So what ended up happening is I already was building what I call a Healing Collective in the world, in the Web2 in real life world, working with sound bath healers, Reiki, meditation, breathwork people. Mm. And then when I came to the Web3 NFT space, I noticed there was an absence at the time. Now it's becoming more prolific, but at the time there was an absence of people doing and claiming that as part of their NFT experience, right? Dropping, let's say crystals that, that give a utility around breath work or songs that, that provide you a form of meditation. That wasn't what people were leading with when I first started NFTs. Mm. And I really wanted to lead with that because one of the biggest things I noticed, David, is the space, and this is technology in general, is so intense and so accelerated that whatever you're feeling becomes intensified because it's happening so damn fast. And so I noticed people were getting triggered left and right. The sense of belonging, the sense that you couldn't find your community, the sense that you weren't valued. These are all mental health triggers. And the Web3 and NFT space was ripe with mental health triggers. (laughs) And so for me, it was really important to um, basically bring together creators. And this is, again, singers, musicians, um, artists, that we're leading with that. So the Healing Collective was really that. So it was this idea of bringing us all together globally. Clarina, I think, you know, NFTP is very, um, a huge, huge uh, advocate of arts and healing, but she's been on the space for a long time. And so it was people like her that I wanted to come together and bring us together and really speak about it in a more collective way. And then on Friday, Bright Moments hosted a community, sorry, Thursday, a community gathering that was hosted by Chris Wood and they elevate communities and the Healing Collective was one that they elevated. And we both had NFT gallery, but also performances by spoken word artists and dancers, as well as singers and sound bath healers at the event. So it was very, very cool. But it was our first, technically our first community gathering. But last year, Paula Rubis, Neo Sutras and I hosted Neoform, which was a gathering of similar, similar gathering, but in a much bigger way at Super Chief Gallery. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I'm looking at the the clip you have on Twitter here, just showing it. I believe that's Neo Sutras and they're doing their, would that qualify as ballet or just kind of contemporary dance? No, it's actually yoga and dance movement. They call it conscious movement. So it's the idea of using our bodies to uh, spread the energy of love and relational love. So they're all about love, but through the connection between two people, but also individual connection with source. Wow. Wow. That's powerful. Very cool. Yeah, very. When you watch them, you see that connection and we're all, we all feel it and being witness to it. could imagine when you're there and, you know, in person as well. So when you say that the the Healing Collective started with Web3 and shout out to NFTP, she's actually up here in Manitoba with me, just a couple hours north of me uh, in Gimli. But uh, yeah, she was a huge inspiration in the early days of Clubhouse and the way that she was able to pull together the community and really speak to indigenous culture and indigenous sovereignty on the blockchain was just really inspiring. It was a big part of what gave me the courage to speak up for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, she's shout definitely out to an inspiration. So she's part she's of the Healing Collective as well? Yes, yeah, she is. She awesome. Is. Um, and so you said this was the first time you kind of pulled it into the f- physical world. It has been mostly kind of in the on the blockchain. Um, does it have any metaverse component? Do you Have you done any kind of gatherings in the metaverse yeah, um, to go along with we this did. healing? We actually did. Uh, James Finnerty uh, and Crux. I think most of you know, may know Crooks, but um, she partners with Stones in the Web3. And we did a Crypto Voxels Arts and Healing Space last year. 
And um, we also had a heel coin, uh, a crypto voxels heel coin that everyone was gifted. So yeah, nice. we definitely did that. We did basically did the same thing we did in bright moments. We did it in crypto voxels. And so we had an hour, hour and a half long celebration of different creators being able to do their performances, but also showcase their art in our uh, healing collective gallery. Wow. Amazing. Um, and so what's the general sentiment that you're hearing kind of about the market, as you alluded to, you know, it's a little bit difficult, adds to mental health, potentially, if you were really relying on this space, like you say, for creative sovereignty, and um, for revenue, obviously, um, is, I guess, how are you navigating it personally? And then I know you're connected with a lot of artists in the space as well. So how are you seeing it kind of impacting people? Or are most people just kind of heads down building and, and not too concerned? I think it's all of the above. Right. I will say it's a mixed bag. It's a mixed bag, but let's talk about the spectrum of the mixed bag. Let's do it. The market is right now in what I call a, a lull, you know, just like with any cycle of seasons, this is a seasonal cycle. Mm -hmm. So it, whether or not you've been in crypto or just been in life, <laughs> life is an ebb and flow. So we're in a, we're in a, what I call lull. However, what's been interesting is at one extreme of the spectrum, a lot of people have abandoned the space, right? You, you can see it. It's Twitter is much more quiet and you're more into the bubbles that you're in. But a lot of artists and collectors have abandoned it because they were disappointed with how the space has potentially become or they were, um, they were not seeing a path forward. And I actually think if, the, if an energy or space no longer serves you, David, mm -hmm. I think it's great that you opt out. I think it's a good thing. I never think that's a bad thing. Then you have the middle road people. They're the ones that are still here kind of feeling it out. They, they, they're kind of got foot in, foot out, not sure exactly what to do, but they're still hopeful, right? They, they still hope that that initial renaissance, that initial desire that we are here together to create a culture of creative sovereignty and, and a path forward for artists to actually find a way to, to sustain themselves both monetarily, but also to be seen. And then there's the other, the other extreme, which is what kind of I fall more into, which is the builders, right. the people that are here because they want to be part of the shift. They want to be part of the create the solidifying of the culture and they want to be part of the shaping of the future. That's where I fall. And I've never wavered in all of those areas. I've never wavered in what I was here for. And that is for advocate advocacy of mental health and promoting arts and healing because we need it. And then also I'm a parent. The last way I'll answer this is I'm a parent mm. and my daughter is online, just like a lot of teens, right? She's 15 years old. And for me to ignore this entire part of the community of people that are online sure. would be to, would be a disservice to the greater good. This is where people are. So for me to not be here, I think, and not just me, people that represent the work I do, mm. I think we'd be missing out on a huge part of the population and being able to connect with them in a soulful way. That's why I'm here because people are here. So why not serve them? That's what's up. That's what's up. And yeah. I definitely think from the generational perspective, you know, I have a five-year-old boy as well. And I think about like this metaverse plot I'm building out and he's actually already interested in it because he loves Minecraft, you know, um, but <laughs> Yeah, it's just exciting to think about the idea that all of these pieces we're creating on the blockchain are indeed immutable and it can actually, whether it be passed down or even just be there as a testament to, you know, what we were interested in, what we were creating in this lifetime and to know that it can kind of be passed on to future generations to me is a huge part of why we're here. And everything you just said is why we're excited to have you on this podcast. And that's the type of people <laughs> we want to talk to because it is the technology and the technology is not going anywhere. Right. And I think those no. of us who, who are here for the technology, not 
just to make money, not just to connect with people or create ourselves a kind of profile online and be an influencer and all the rest, which is fun and exciting for a lot of people. But a lot of us just see the value in the technology and are here for the technology and its implications. Um, and I love how you are really leaning into the healing and the, the power of the community and what's possible here. Um, so I did mention yeah, off I, the top. Can I just take Sorry. a pause? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go, can I just pause for a second? Because I wanted to address your son and gaming. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. Because it actually is part of the conversation. So one of the things I one of the ways I describe myself is an innovator. Hmm. And the reason that's important, and this is something I've been geeking out about, a lot besides I used to be a consultant and worked a lot with brands. When you talk about the gaming community, which is where our kids are, if you're a gamer, NFTs and Web3 is is it's laughable in many ways for gamers because they've been doing this, right? Yep. When you think about community and connection, there's no bigger fan base in the gaming community. They have been doing, you know, augmented reality. They have been doing these online experiences, holograms. They, you know, they've been doing all of this. So when I think about who's leading the way, I've always thought the gaming community has led the way. What has happened, though, is the NFT Web3 space brought in all these creators and artists who aren't necessarily, not all of them are tech savvy. Mm -hmm. And so what's been great about Web3 is it's educated artists to be more tech savvy and not be so afraid of technology. To me, that's the power. That's the other part of it that we don't often talk about is the, think about all the education that's being pumped into Web3. And you talked about finance. I personally wasn't aware of the financial implications of what it mean, meant to be an artist, right? In the sense of that, what I feel like there's been a huge education acceleration for artists to talk about what it means to invest in your art and what does it mean for a collector to invest. So between finance and, and the tech part, I think artists are starting to become much more well-rounded and equipped to navigate the world of technology because of Web3. Beautiful. That's, my, that's one of the benefits. Most definitely. And on that finance part, you know, I think that's still some of what has kept some people away, you know, some artists, because I've been, you know, since 2021 early days when I was just like fully hyped up on the the hype machine or the hype train and uh, really feeling the FOMO. And I was trying to get my friends who are creators and artists, you know, like more than I am to like get into the space and the financial kind of requirement, because it really does require you to have a certain level of financial understanding of your own, what you value about your art, but also how you plan to market your art, how you, plan, how you plan to speak about your art, and then even being okay with it not selling or, you know, and then if you do the opposite and you actually find huge success and you start selling a bunch of ETH, that also has its implications, you know? Um, it so does. it's like, yeah, I think that that more than anything else from what the conversations I've had trying to pull artists into the space, they're just very leery of like, wait, I have to do all the marketing myself. I have to right. understand my price points and everything myself and speak about it openly in front of all these people. Um, that has been um, the biggest pushback that I've seen <laughs> from artists. So I think you make yeah. a good point that those who do embrace it learn a lot in the process right and they might not even come into it realizing that they're going to learn all of these um, additional angles of finance and how to market themselves right yeah 100 percent. and weary is the right word <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. it can be very tiring it can be a lot for sure for sure um so i did mention off the top that when i first met you it was in a spoken word room and i know it's a lot about what you do um shout out to your latest drop in permanence which is a really beautiful video we're gonna play for the audience um at the end of the show but spoken word is important obviously very important to you um how do you feel that it is kind of making waves in the space do you think there's enough spoken word and poetry in web3 right now um yeah how do you see it kind of evolving 
So just to clarify, and it's important, I right. am a huge lover of poetry, but I wouldn't consider myself a spoken word artist. Okay. It just happens to be something that I, it's, a, it's a, an expression. However, I'm happy to talk about it because sure. I'm an advocate of it. So there's a couple of people, um, Ana Maria Caballero um, has started, uh, founded the Verse Verse. And she is finding huge success right now because she is leading the way, along with other founders in, in her in her community uh, around spoken words. So if you want to follow anyone that's really paving the path for poets, Ana Maria Caballero is incredible. Um, Cadence the Poet. Yeah, you, you can't miss her. She's been in, she's a timepieces artist. Um, the verse verse has been in all these media, um, have been spotlighted by the media. They're a great example. And the reason I see her as an example of someone that is inspiring so many people is not only is she advocating for her medium, right? Spoken word. But she's doing it with heart and soul. She's beca- she's doing it in the way that she's authentically herself, right? She doesn't fit the Dijon uh, characteristic of somebody that's doing it just to make money. Although she's finding great success, and so is that community, that DAO. I, I don't know if it's a DAO, but that community. So I, I use her as an example because she's always led with passion and purpose. And those are the people I want to see succeed, Right. Rachel Wilkins is another one. She's doing a good, the good news show and she's not necessarily a person that is uh, a spoken word artist, but she's leading with purpose and mission. And, and there's so many people out there that are doing that. And so, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of people out there that are doing spoken word, but for me, it's just a, a opportunity to show other ways of art being expressed to advocate for mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical health. And uh, yes, Ana Maria Caballero is probably the best person to follow. Very cool. Yeah, I was just able to find the website, theverseverse.com. And I see that they've kind of linked up with Infinite Objects as well to do different uh, visuals. And yeah, it looks like they're on Tezos. Um, They're everywhere. everywhere. (laughs) She's she's been in probably every NFT show, it feels like, in the the past year. Very cool. Well, I got to... Do a little more digging, I think, and learn a bit more about what they're up to. So, yeah, we talked kind of about the market more broadly and people navigating the space. Um, I did want to hit on specifically your role as a VP Innovation at WIM. How did that come about and how is like what does that entail for you? Um, yeah, and, and WIM is a very cool um, company that's based on kind of creating these really nice digital screens that can also sync up with your wallet, importantly, to be able to show your NFTs. Um, and I saw them at NFT.NYC. They were really beautiful up in person. So yeah, I'd love to hear your yeah. experience there. Yeah, thanks for asking about Wim. So yes, I interestingly sketch poetic and Wim have the same timeline. I started daily sketching the first day I started at Wim, so that's oh. really important. And the reason for being is I was burnt out in my past job. I was a managing director of an agency, and I wanted to find a position where I didn't take it home. You know, I still worked hard. I still contributed a lot. I didn't take it home. And so part of the the commitment I had is when I started my daily, my daily work, I would go to this coffee shop and sketch daily. So when I joined WIM, I joined their innovation team or initially it was the content team because as an artist, I was really passionate about it. Hmm. And what WIM is passionate about is creating immersive, engaging experiences in the home. So it is a digital canvas. We call it a canvas, not a screen because we want to differentiate ourselves from TVs right? Right now, when you think of TV, it's a very passive experience, right? You're kind of immersing yourself. But, um, you know, WIM is really, think we think of it as the Apple of digital screens, but we are all about the way that we engage. So everything is mobile app. Uh, It's it's basically controlled by a mobile app. Like you said, you can connect to your wallet. 
Mm-hmm. And then if you have more than one digital canvas, they interact with each other. And one beautiful thing, for example, that we obsess about at WIM is the, the way the technology supports the experience. So when you put two of the digital canvases together, it, it recognizes the space between the canvases. So if I was doing a photo of me, it would actually cut out the space in between wow. so that it looks like a, a physical you know, like a physical spread across multiple canvases. If you did that with a regular screen, it would actually split your face. <laughs> yeah. And so stuff, it's stuff like that. You know, we, then the next generation rotates. So as it's rotating, the image is still fixed. So if you are a home decor person and love the, vi- the visual of a diagonal canvas, the image still st- stays put. So the reason I'm part of the innovation team is we, we care about the creator experience. When you put a piece of your art out there, you want it to stay true to how you created it. And a lot of times screens don't care about that. They just want you to put it up yep. and then you're done. And then you you look at it as an artist and you're like, oh God, it looks terrible. It 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 feels it doesn't feel good. And that's what we obsess about at Wim. And that's the reason I'm there. Very cool. <laughs> and uh canvas, I like that. Digital canvas. Yeah. yeah that's nice. And we've been we've been in every big gallery. Uh so we've been at Super Chief. We were at Art Basel, we've been at Super Chief, Quantum, all of the different, and we're, we've been in pretty much in any, every major NFT show in the, around the world. I can see why, yeah. Even just that thing you just mentioned with the space recognition and, and being able to do that and then having the different uh, angles, but having the, the the actual image stay fixed is yeah. pretty cool. That's, uh, yeah, that's next level that's stuff. That's just a, some small, small examples. We're doing a lot with AR and AI. We're going to be doing a lot of, you know, we're always up to date with the technologies that are evolving. And that's what I love about WIM is it, it really obsesses about, we obsess about the experience as much as we do about the product. Very cool. And I was just seeing at the bottom, you got different shapes and sizes, price points, you know, slowly coming down. I feel like I saw them at around the $3,000 mark at <laughs> yeah, one point. <laughs> now they're down around 1500 Not too bad. Yeah. I, you yeah. just think that's going to kind of continue to possibly shift a little bit as competition continues? Or how do yeah. you see that? Yeah. Well, yes and no. I, you know, one of the benefits of WIM is we, we were uh, formerly known as Videri and they uh, have the commercial side of the house. And basically if you went to MTA in New York, most of the screens and I will call them screens are whim, whim products, the technology, but but the software behind it is not consumer facing, right? So you don't, it's not like you can change your, you can show your wallet on a a canvas or a screen in the MTA. But when, when we think about it in the home, the home experience is very different. Yeah, so no, we, no. we basically separated and WIM is now the consumer facing version of it. Very cool. I'm seeing it's even got like the ability to connect with smart speakers and smart home devices and go with your lighting and match your lighting and stuff like that. Yeah, all, yeah, that's <laughs> exactly cool. the integrations with smart home. That's, that's all part of it. You want it to be seamless. You don't listen. I, I'm a consumer first and foremost, before I worked for WIM and I don't want another product in my house <laughs> that is is like te- it's just a piece of technology that's not engaging with everything else around me right and so the idea of the reason it's called whim there's many different reasons but one of the things is you want to change your decor on a whim so i have a couple of artworks up on the wall right now mm-hmm. but it's so much harder for me to constantly change up my art you know yeah. and at first i have to buy it and then i have to make sure it looks good in the space and the thing about a digital canvas and whim in particular is i can just change the mood of my home in an instant. Right so I the have these things called, yeah, it's, I have a thing called a stash. So if I want it to be meditative, I change my entire experience to be more meditative. If I am throwing a party, it's much more fun. I show some photos. 
So it's showing things on a whim. That's p- part of the experience. Awesome. And I love that they even promote in some gaming. You can use it for gaming yeah. too. Oh, yeah. The <laughs> second screen is a that, but I could one. see it now. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, wow. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And um, it's definitely an honor to be able to pick your brain about it a little bit. And it has always been kind of a weak spot, I think, right now for NFTs. Um, So, you know, $2,000, I'm up in Canada, so that's going to be about (laughs) 2000 our money. (laughs) Um, You know, for a really great, innovative kind of uh, integrated screen that does give you all that flexibility, it's not not a crazy price when you think about what you pay for a TV. And it pretty much has all the same functionality um, for a good HD. Are they 4K? Yes, they yeah. are. And, you know, think about how much we pay for our iPhone. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so, Very we, cool. you know, it's our job to make it sticky. It's our job to make it like a piece, like as 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 need as needed as a phone. But like you not, say, the Apple of screens or the Apple yeah. of uh, digital canvases, to be more correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. no, I like it. And it is very innovative. That's awesome. Um, I didn't even realize Thank how you. dope it was until you just <laughs> broke that down for me. So uh, that's <laughs> very cool. So I may have to look into those pre-orders myself. But uh, yeah, uh, let's get back to the Web3 conversation. I am curious, you know, I think you alluded to this a little bit, but you know, what in your best case scenario, how would you like to see Web3 evolve? Um, because I think there's been this kind of criticism that we're bringing too much of Web 2 or even just too much of kind of traditional capitalism. Some would say late stage capitalism, <laughs> you know, the greed and a lot of mm-hmm. manipulation um, into Web 3, you know, and specifically on the technology side, um, the data based kind of manipulation um, is something that's a recurring theme on this show, because I think it's an important thing that we can now have this opportunity to turn away from as, you know, social media, so much of social media is about your follower count is about getting your metrics up about getting the views up and you know however you do it doesn't matter you know ethics be damned Mm -hmm. kind of thing right and we've seen it in facebook and how that's kind of rippled into our politics and you know impacted the society more broadly right how do you think web3 can or should kind of change this and help with the evolution of the internet oh my god this is the conversation i think the reason you have this podcast right there's so (laughs) many topics we could touch i'm just going to go with my intuition and just go where where it takes me the first thing i would say is i just the future of web3 should deliver on the promise of what it was meant to be about you know when when i joined a clubhouse and when nfts blew up it had it, it was solely focused on the creators and yes of course the collectors but having that connection and when you think about the the definition of web one web two web three you know when the, the different iterations when people started to label a chapter of the evolution of what this was the internet at the time right. um web three was really about really was about creative sovereignty when we talk about creative sovereignty it's the idea that creators now had a path forward to monetize their work. They had a new opportunity to be seen in ways they'd never been seen. They had a direct relationship with collectors and able to um, really mine and build that connection with collectors that you didn't have in the traditional art space. And you were able to have platforms that supported your ability to market as well as build your financial freedom. Right. on the blockchain that was the whole purpose and goal i believe of what web3 i know i know for people like us that were brought in now what's happened is capitalism and the greedy people and a lot of bad players and dark energies came in but that is no different than the real world right. the people that that um criticize the space today to me aren't being realistic about the natural evolution of how humanity is in order for humanity to grow and to continue to evolve both have to exist. And, and, you know, in the healing world, we talk about the darkness and light. 
it's called the yin and the yang for a reason. You can't move forward all light and you can't move forward all dark without both existing. They're, in, they're constantly in tension, but it's for the greater good. And that's the goal is I want people that have the interest of the greater good in mind. Now, I'm going to pause here and take a totally different way to answer this question <laughs> because I'm digitally born and bred. There you go. I've, I've always focused on the experience of things, right? In the digital world, whether it's a mobile app, a website, whatever it is you're building in the digital space, there's a whole part of the creative process called the user experience, right? Yeah. And I think one of the pitfalls we've experienced is that with the word decentralization, while it is conceptually and purposely powerful to think of the idea of decentralization, from an experience, it sucks. <laughs> My art is on five platforms, hmm. on three wallets, and every collector is on different platforms and wallets. Yeah. Now, as an experience, it's really freaking hard to connect when you've got a decentralized ecosystem. So where I want to see us go in the future is let's take the mission and purpose that I just described around creative sovereignty and create a technolo technological way to centralize the connections, not the platforms and the technology. Hmm. But is there a way, and I don't want it to be someone that is doing it just for the sole purpose of making money, <laughs> but aggregating the experience so it makes it easy for the layman person that doesn't know anything about NFTs to drop in and not have to create five different versions of a wallet, you know, five different versions of a currency and having to, you know, change it. Right now, the experience is terrible for someone to onboard into the space as it is today. When it first started, it was all Ethereum. It was mostly two or three platforms. And then as we became more and more decentralized, so did the communities. So we have too many, and I, this is just my perspective, we have way too many bubbles. Um, and I feel it as the healing collective. You know how many, there's many people out there that are promoting what I do. It's not just me. There's so many. There's Shira Lazar. There's there, B. Davies, people that advocate for mental health. And while we talk to each other in real life, our communities aren't necessarily coalescing yet. It will happen, but... It's by nature, not organic. It's just happening organically, but the technology is not supporting it. That's what I'm trying to say. So we need the technology and the purpose and mission to coalesce because it's not for me right now. I feel it's, it's working against each other. Interesting. And so you think the solution to that, and like we've heard a lot about um, cross-chain functionality when looking at the metaverse and like even just jumping from one metaverse, like corner of the metaverse to the other voxels to sandbox or Decentraland, for example. Um, but specifically, you're talking about your collectors and the fact that, yeah, they might be on Tezos, they might be on Ethereum, they might even be like on Super Rare, which is its own yeah. little corner of Ethereum, but they don't, you know, go out to the rest. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. So you think the solution is kind of aggregating it, but not necessarily from a, a data perspective, because that's the downside, right? When you get someone comes through and says, hey, we're going to pull all your collectors into one space, you know, but then what are they getting on the back end to have all that information about all these different creators and their community bases, you know, and aggregate it all into one kind of central database? Um, yeah, on one hand, it is easier for user experience. And then on the other hand, maybe it's a little too centralized. I don't oh, know. that's the problem. Yeah. I think that's what well, that's here's the problem, David, <laughs> and that's the philosophical part of the conversation. Right. It is going to happen whether or not I say it because somebody is seeing the need mm -hmm. and is already solving it. And, right. and it's going to be an Amazon-like, unfortunately, an Amazon-like person that's going to do it because it requires money and investment. But mm -hmm. then, of course, if it requires those two things, they're going to want a return on investment. This is why the greater good matters. You know, it'd be ideal if somebody with that money, with that ability to solve the problem, 
is purpose-driven in the greater good. And this is happening in AI too, right? Similar conversations are happening. I don't have the answers. I certainly don't know what what it's going to go to. But if we don't have the conversation, if I don't ask and hold people accountable to solving the problem in the way that is serving the greater good, which is for the creators and the collectors that really care about creative sovereignty, then we're just going to get another Amazon. We're just going to get another Google. And it's a, that's why people are dismissive of the space because they have given up hope. Right. They've given up hope that this is going to happen, right? There's an, there's going to be an Elon Musk type that comes in, does everything I just said from a user experience, makes it easy because that's what we care about, but it doesn't serve the greater good. And mm. so that's what I'm hoping. And I'm, pu- I'm just being more vocal about it because I'm hoping that by putting it out there, that somebody's listening that cares, yeah. <laughs> that and cares goal- and has a lot. A lot of money that has a lot of power. Right. Yeah. And, and they could do it in an open source way, you know. Yes, um, and even looking at Elon, like I'm no fan of his politics or a lot of the crazy stuff yeah. he's been saying and doing. <laughs> but he did like looking at open AI, right? He There was an initial goal to have that done as an open source kind of platform that was less about making money and data and monetizing. And then, you know, Microsoft comes, buys it. And now it's a private company that's all about data yes, and monetizing. Exactly. And everything that people are punching into chat GPT is lining the pockets of someone on the back end right um so it's hard it seems like even if the intentions are there for it to be open source and more egalitarian in nature somehow you know it doesn't take much for an entity to come in and be like no this is going to be a profit-driven enterprise now (laughs) yeah but you know what's interesting if you look at the traditional art world where i think we're going to be headed what i'd like to call in is a patron a patron of NFTs or a patron of Web3, and think about the Gettys of the world, right? The Getty Museum, the Getty Galleries. There are a lot of rich people out there that truly believe in the power of art. They 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 care about leaving their legacy so that this so that we can go to a gallery and look at a piece of art, right? And they're long gone. That's what I want. (laughs) Somebody that cares build a future founded on technology, founded on the, the culture of what we're trying to build. And even when they're gone, that's what they, that's what their legacy is. That's what they pump their money in. And that's what I'm looking for is somebody, and they don't have to be tech savvy. They just want to use their resources for good. Nice. And there is, there are people out there that oh, I, sure. I, I have not given hope. Oh, that. That's good. And you got to keep, keep saying that we'll manifest it. But those people will come around. <laughs> I'm sure they're out there, you know, and then, you know, liquidity in the place in the space is not that big of an issue, right? As much as definitely it's not like. A lot of artists that we'd love to see finding success necessarily are not yet finding that success. But on the flip side, there's so much money just pouring into this space, sometimes questionable corners of the space, that it, yeah. it can't be that hard to think that there's, you know, a handful of, you know, wealthy individuals who see the power of the immutable art on the blockchain and want to mm-hmm. kind of, like you say, help the creators um, have a more positive user experience kind of into the future for that purpose and not necessarily just to create wealth for themselves. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll yeah. keep putting that and we'll keep manifesting that. <laughs> Hopefully it yeah, comes Yeah, I through. mean, that's, I call it the Wall Street of Web3. There's going to yeah. always be the Wall Street of Web3. Yeah, of course. But we don't have to play in the same sandbox. I mean, there's room for all of us. That's, the, that's I think, from a purpose, as somebody that's so purpose-driven and really believes in the, the power of our spiritual paths, it's so easy to give up on, on these huge visions because we see this success happening. And so we don't believe we can succeed in the presence of this bigness when the reality is that bigness can exist, but we can also exist with it. And I think that's the message I'm trying to get across with arts and healing is that I'm not 
threatened by this. I'm not threatened by AI. I believe, though, if I continue to diminish my presence here, then this just gets bigger and bigger and bigger in relationship to what I'm trying to build. So the only way we can battle and exist in and coincide with something that is growing bigger and bigger in its presence is to grow our presence with it. There's room for all of us. For sure. I think that's, sure. that's the message. There's room for all of us. Yeah, definitely. And uh, shout out to the Dream Conduit, as I always like to plug on our show. I'm a conduit lead with the DAO there. They're a 501c3, and they've been focused since the early days of 2021, um, similar to you, on really helping um, artists and creators onboard into Web3 in a safe way and in a in a community-based way that's really trying to reach out and, and help people onboard um, and not just make money off of them or not make money mm-hmm. at all as we're a nonprofit, right? And so I think, yeah. like you say, we need more like that. We need more healing collectives. We need more, um, shout out to journalists, you know, and what he's trying to yes, do, really I shining a light on um, really interesting spaces or like stories from the space that are just not being talked about. And in many cases, they're informative and, and help people avoid some of the more dangerous um, elements of the space as well. Um, you know, whether it's gambling on crazy coins yes. or just Ooh. really unethical projects being pitched out there, you know, journalists is on the beat kind of telling those stories and you know where is the future for hard journalism in web3 you know just like the future for the healing collective the future for the dream conduit and i think a lot of these kind of um entities like you say we have to be speaking our own value into existence because nobody else is going to do it you know (laughs) yeah i love that you use the word ethical a lot in this podcast because Mm -hmm. ethics you know, that it's a part of ethics and values in the business, or they call it about values, but I think of ethics as intrinsic. You know, it's your intrinsic North North Star. And if we don't have that within us, then guess what? Somebody's gonna define it for us. And it's already happening, like I said, parts of pockets of the Web3 sphere. But it's people like us that are gonna need to continue to be vocal about what is our value system and what is it that we want to create. And I, and you notice I'm very purposeful about the word collective versus community. Mm. And I want to just speak to this for a second. There is a set of expectations that come with a community that I don't want to take on okay. That's fair. <laughs> from time, from time and energy. More, more importantly, I think to do service to a community is to, to be intentional about the time and energy you pump into it. Mm. So one of the things that I, I want to lead with is I'm very purposeful about my own healing journey. But that requires me to make sure that I have the time and energy for myself. But if it's at the detriment, if I'm building a community and that's at a detriment of my own self-care and my own healing, then how is that serving the community? So when I say collective, I say that because every single person that is part of the healing collective, while I might be the one bringing an opportunity like the event that happened with Chris Wood, the collective is what creates the experience, not me right? I, I just bring people together. I'm, I'm in essence, just a person that helps bring people together, but I'm not the one leading the way per se. And so I share that because a collective is a group of people that are individually led with their own set of values and, and um, North Star. But guess what? We tend to have a similar resonance and certain, certain alignment around what that, those things are. So by building a collective, what we're actually building is the culture of Web3 just by bringing us together. Awesome. I really love that. You know, it actually made me think of another DAO I've been working on plugging away and shout out to journalist. He was on the executive board with me, but he's been busy with other things. Uh, It's for Storytime DAO. And we often talk about it as a community, but it is a collective, you know, and I know you've been introduced to the community as well. Um, And it's really 
a good way to think about it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to start using that word more so instead yeah. of community, because I think it, especially in that space, we're really trying to lean on each individual person to take ownership of their project, you know, take, do the legwork, but ask for assistance. Where can we help? You know, and if you are doing something IRL, like Andres had an amazing um event in nft nyc and so we you know we were pushing it on social media those of us who were there in real life were able to help make the event a success in real life and so that's a collective you know we're helping an individual find success Correct. in their endeavor you know so i love that thank you <laughs> i'm going to start and using I'm that word for Pilar. yeah Pilar, yeah. Shout um, out to Pilar me to well. story time yeah. yeah um but yeah the collect the other thing about community is it it requires an onboarding collective doesn't require an onboarding. You can be part of a collective and not know it yet. Mm, like <laughs> um, and so that's, and, and also, again, I'm just being really transparent because I, I, the reason I think it's important for me to say this is you, if you're out there listening and you believe in something, you don't have to feel like you have to build a community because that sounds exhausting and a huge undertaking for someone that may not have the skill set to build a community. But what you can do is lead with what you're passionate about, what you believe is important in the space, and you will attract people that just connect with you and you're already building a collective. That's what's really so great. It's so easy and seamless. That is. That's awesome. That's Web3 in a nutshell, I think. <laughs> it's, it's that it much really easier is. to create a collective now, right? Um, so looking at the yeah. heel coin and, you know, how, the, how you've airdropped that to your collectors as well as any others that you, you know, felt you needed to, um, what is the... Okay utility looking going forward when you think about you know if you have an event like you just had last night right or this week is there some perk to like your holders showing up in real life and, and having one of those or in the metaverse you know like you were mentioning i think you dropped a wearable uh heel coin wearable to to your holders um is there something like that like you're looking at on an ongoing basis that like this heel coin will will have I don't even like the word utility anymore because it's kind of yeah, been I don't overkilled. Either. No, but, that's okay. <laughs> but whatever use case or you know, functionality into the future that you plan to have for it. A journalist asked me this question last night. So oh. it's kind of funny that you're asking me the same. It's in a good way because okay. you just talk, spoke about him. If you, rem if, if you can remember what it is, then you would know that there's no answer to that question that would suffice in the, in the sense of utility. So let me explain. I minted my intention on the blockchain. It was never intended to be a token. It was never intended to be a gatekeeping pass. Mm. It was certainly never intended to be anything other than, hey, guess what? I have a mission. I want a visual, to a visual token of it on the blockchain. It's called the heel coin. And that heel coin is a rallying cry because it lives on the blockchain. It exists in your wallets mm. for people like me to exist in the space because we must, right? future evolution of it i don't know where it will take us but i can tell you the channels in which it could take us we could have more in real life events we will have sponsorships we will have more shows we will have different collectors uh we'll be in you know we'll have different um in innovative ways we'll connect the promise of it is the intention so i've always said it when the value of the coin rises it will be because the healing collective rises. So the more people talk about it, the more people are like, oh, wow, that's so cool that somebody minted their intention on the blockchain because that's really what it was, David. It was never anything other than, um, you said the word manifestation. For those people that don't believe in that power, really, once you speak out loud, that's what manifestation is, right? Once you put out something out there, you're yeah. seeding something. So to me, the coin is simply a seed. 
And every day that I'm in Web3, I water that seed. And that's all I'm doing. And that seed will continue to blossom. And other people are now watering it with me. That's awesome. how I view it. And how many yeah. of those seeds are there? Is it pretty exclusive? Uh, t- no, no. Actually, I was going to gift you one after oh, this uh, podcast. No, absolutely. Wow. No, so it's uh, the, the only the only uh, constraint is I had Minda 111 of them in 2011, 2021, sorry. And then 222 cheer. I didn't do a 2023 edition. The, when, once those run out, then I might make another one. But for now, uh, we have about 300 and something people in the, I have a hundred, about over a hundred collectors. And then I have, um, yeah, uh, over a hundred people, but they, the people that I gifted it to, to answer your question, were the people that came to my arts and healing spaces. And I would just gift them to people that came as a, as a thank you. But yes, I gift them to people like yourself. So I'll make sure you have one after this. I appreciate it so much. That's really cool. I feel like I'm part of this awesome healing collective and I got to tune in more, you know, I want to help build it up as well. That's what it's all about. You don't need to. That's the thing. I want to just reassure you just by being you, you're already part doing it. So don't feel like you have to act on it. That's what I want to reemphasize. There's nothing to do. Just continue being you. Yeah. Beautiful. I appreciate that very much. Looking at the healing in Web3, do you think that the metaverse has an important part to play in that? I know you mentioned you did an event in the metaverse, but when thinking about like the actual healing perspective and coming together and having it as kind of a a space to gather or in the more negative sense, maybe even a place to escape to, right? If you're having difficult time IRL and the physical, you have this opportunity, just like a lot of gamers, uh, as a gamer myself, I can definitely attest to this is a big part of why gamers are gamers (laughs) is they often want to escape to something that they find more fun or exciting than necessarily what they're dealing with in the physical. So do you think the metaverse has an important role to play uh, when it comes to healing and offering kind of a space like that? Yeah, hundred percent. I'm going to give you three simple examples um, of people and brands doing it. So Krista Kim is a, a prolific artist, but also very influential in the space. Yeah. She has led with mental health for a long time and she's a huge advocate of hosting things on in um, in the metaverse and she had an event and she had some cr- incredible speakers i happened to be in the audience at the time and so she's leading with the metaverse like where she does most of her speaking engagements around web3 happened to be in the metaverse so i think krista kim is doing a superb job there nice. um save a love is part of the deepak chopra foundation mm-hmm. save a love just recently hosted with the jomo effect so there was a drop that um peace inside live did and they did their entire uh, celebration drop or uh, like the celebration part uh, and event in the metaverse first. So they led with Web3 and metaverse. Cool. And then um, what was the other one? I was going to have another example, but there was one other person that came to mind that just slipped my mind. But what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, the answer is the same as I said earlier. Mm-hmm. This is where people are. Not everyone feels comfortable going to a physical space and hobnobbing or networking or talking to people because they're introverted or they may have social anxiety. Right. And, and what's great about the metaverse, and this is a good and bad thing, like everything, everything taken to an extreme, if that's the only way you connect, of course, there's some detriment to that. But to, to eliminate a very obvious place where people connect is to eliminate the opportunity to connect with them around these topics. So it's very important that we go where people are. That's just the lesson we all need to learn. You don't, I think that's the thing is we force people to come to us. That's is what happens, I think, and in the world. Like, come to right. me, 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 me. Yeah. And, and guess what? Not everyone has that <laughs> skill set. So let's go to pe- where people are. And people are in the metaverse. People are online gaming. People 
are on social media, but we must feed them nourishing content. You know, I use that metaphor a lot. We metabolize all this crap of content that we get, but we're not metabolizing nourishing content, nourishing conversations, things that actually serve our greater good. And so if I, if I'm, I'm only giving fast food options then guess what, you're not going to be a healthy person, bottom line. (laughs) So let's talk about healthy content, which is mental health, arts and healing, things that actually do you, you of service, you know, most definitely. That's, that's, what that's I a good metaphor. Important. I like it. We're trying to serve <laughs> out the greens, the healthy greens here. And yeah, we are. <laughs> we are. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Drink water. I mean, water is a great example. Just yeah. drink some water. <laughs> exactly. Definitely stay hydrated for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And to that point, kind of about going where people are. I know you're in LA, right? So I'm up here in Winnipeg, Canada. Web3 is a lot quieter here. I've been trying to do mm-hmm. a little bit of workshops. I get, you know, two or three people come out. So not much of a, of a, community or uh, space um, here in Winnipeg. But I know in LA, from what I gather, there's like Web3 events happening almost every week at this point, or at All least every month. Um, so how is it out there? And what do you think, you know, well, why is that? Well, I guess it's LA, so they just ahead of the curve, maybe. But um, how has it been kind of being able to actually connect with people IRL um, from the Web3 space so easily? It's such a good question. I've actually often asked myself why LA is booming with NFT events, because mm-hmm. I he seem I mean I think we're talking about Twitter in particular, but it seems that LA is always having events. But what's really interesting is I know a lot of those people that are having the events, like Eric Spivak right. and um, Kelly. But I can never pronounce her last name. Kelly and Kelly's Botha and you know um, NFT Cheers and and Radley's or Falcon and all these people. What's really interesting is all of those people I'm talking about, even me, are trying to bring a collective of people with them. And so their entire job and mission is to host events that get people to be seen in the physical spaces because they're trying to con- get the Web2 people onboarded. So I think the co- connective tissue of why LA, I think, is, is I think it has a little bit to do with how the M- LA is perceived in terms of the entertainment space, right? Because in the entertainment world, it is who you know. Um, and there's a, down- there's a bit of a down- downward perception of that. But yeah. in the in the Web three space, we 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 understand that we can't exist in a silo. We have to onboard a lot of Web two people, and I think in the best way to onboard Web two people is not in Web three. It's counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense. Hey, let's onboard Web two people in the metaverse. No, it doesn't work that way because the learning curve is too high for them. Like some people don't even know how to get into crypto voxels and have a wallet. So what you've got to do is again, my message: meet people where they are, and they're in the physical world. And I think LA is just really naturally in tune with being in events because there's so many here. Um, the other thing, the reason I think LA is booming is I believe that there was always this artistic renaissance. We've always been kind of competitive with New York, you know, this whole East coast, West coast vibe <laughs> no, no. and New York, New York has always been um, the kind of the heart of art in the, in the, in the U S right. But what happened is on the West coast, guess what, guess what West coast is known for tech. Hmm. You know, there when you, you think about tech boom, it's yeah, in the West. For sure. So guess what? Art and tech is in the West. It's not, it's just all, if you look and study the way things work, it's not shocking that LA, even San Francisco has a lot of events because that tech is at the core of a lot of it. And that's so that's cool. what, that's my answer. That's my belief. And then for me, wellness, LA is known for wellness. Everyone mm. talks about how woo-woo it is here. Right. Um, and so it's not shocking that the work I do is very much elevated here because I'm always elevating wellness. So again, I'm at art, tech, and wellness. LA is at the core of that. 
Awesome. Well, I definitely want to get out to one of those healing collective events. Maybe I'll, we'll come I'll see out to you. I promised TP I'd have one in Canada one day. I was going to say, I got to <laughs> connect with NFTP. Maybe we can try to do some kind of satellite event up here or something. Um, that would yeah. be really cool. But yeah, that that's super inspiring. And um, I definitely need to get out to LA. There's yourself, a journalist out there. I have connected with Eric on a couple occasions too. He's always a very interesting guy to chat with, very knowledgeable about the space. So Very knowledgeable. Um, very cool. Very cool. So I do want to turn to some of your NFTs. If I had all the time today, I'd ask you about every one of your amazing sketches. And the fact that you sketch these in a day and, and you just have so many to choose from it is really inspiring and really cool. I recommend everybody to follow Sketch Poetic on Twitter and check out her link tree and uh, go and check out all the amazing art. Um, but I do want to play and, for and Instagram. too. Oh, yeah, Instagram that's where too. most of my art is. Yeah. There you mm -hmm. go, for sure. I'm not as active on Instagram myself. I tend to point people towards Twitter, but, but Instagram is a good one for the visuals. Um, so I do want to play for our audience. Um, those who are in the live stream can actually watch the video, but definitely the audio is also impactful. So it will be great for those listening um, on the podcast as well. The impermanence uh, video, which you've dropped, bid starting at three Ethereum, a very, very uh, philosophical and beautiful short film uh, with some really uh, profound kind of literature and, and speaking over it. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on it before we play it. And um, then we'll, yeah, we'll play it. Love for to. Yeah. So I'll keep it succinct because there's a lot more to it. Uh, I did a film squad uh, spaces yesterday. So if you want to learn more, please listen to that recording. Oh, but cool. basically this is a collaboration with Johnny Lee, who is a filmmaker. It's a two minute short film that comes with a physical. And the entire premise of the film is to showcase, uh, we wanted to experiment with our medium. So we experimented with film. I experimented with fine art, but we wanted to showcase the life cycle of, of a piece of art from the moment it is birthed to the moment it is di it dies and then is rebirthed. So it's the metaphor for life. It's about grief. It is about life and death. And it is about the emotional journey one, t one takes from despair, fear, sadness, all the way to acceptance and surrender in understanding that all of it is impermanent. And the moment you understand, whether it's art, our lives, or our existence, if we can let go to the idea that things are impermanent, we can find peace and stillness in it, whether, whether you're wherever you are in that, that journey of life and death. Wow, I just got goosebumps from that, that's beautiful. <laughs> all right, let's play it. Impermanence. In the depths of sorrow, we often find a path that leads us to the divine. For in our grief, we shed our masks and connect once more to the source at last. It is in our pain that we remember the beauty of life, its fleeting splendor. And as we mourn what once was dear, we are reminded that love is always near. Though we may feel lost and alone, we are held by a power greater than our own. And as we surrender to the flow, 
we find our spirit dancing with the unknown. For in the darkness, there is light. And in the silence, there is might. And as we honor our grief and pain, we find our way back home again. Let us embrace our fears and tears and allow our hearts to release the years. For in our grief, we find the key to unlock the door to eternity. Beautiful. Really, really beautiful. Um, thank you so much for letting us share that, Sheila. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really just an, an important, I think, um, takeaway for anybody kind of building and creating, whether in Web3 or anywhere. And I think it's a great philosophy um, to take in. So uh, thank you again for letting us share. Do you have any other follow-up yeah, on that? Yeah. I did, actually. I was just thinking about how does this relate to Web3? Um, part of the reason I wanted to focus on the emotion of grief, so everything I do is around the emotional expression of things that we tend to suppress or not want to feel because it feels overwhelming. There's so much grieving happening in the world, and we're not just talking about the loss of loved ones. When you think about Web3 and how it's shifted in the past two years, let alone the past six months, um, I do sense that there's a lot of artists and people grieving the time before when we were booming and things were what felt like thriving and now we're not in that space. Right. And what I want us to acknowledge is there's emotions that flow through us, whether or not we want to acknowledge. And there's a grieving of whenever something evolves and transforms and, and changes, there's a natural shedding of, the, of its existence before it happened. And that is grief. Grief doesn't have to look like losing somebody you love or, you know, divorce or something of letting go of something. Mm. It truly can be as simple as grieving parts of ourselves that we must let go of in order to grow and to evolve. And that to me is what's happening to Web3 is there's a collective grieving happening of a season where we were all together and we were all, you know, just so immersed and so excited. And a lot of that excitement has dissipated and we're grieving. I actually think we're grieving right now. Mm. but not in a way that most people traditionally think of grieving. Right. So part of the reason I drop these uh, with, with Johnny, we drop these types of moments and messages is whether or not you understand it subconsciously and unconsciously, you're hearing the message. So when I say my art heals, it heals because you receive the message, whether or not, you know, you do or not. And so I wanted to share that, that this piece mattered to be in the blockchain for that reason. Very cool. Very impactful. And it will find its home soon, I'm sure. It's uh, Thank you. a really from, amazing from, piece. From, from your words to someone's ears. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Most definitely. It's very impactful. And uh, yeah, it will hear the right, the right person will hear it and need it in their lives <laughs> um, so. and in their wallet more specifically. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, so I, I do want to thank you so much. We're going to be winding down here. I don't know if anybody in the live stream chat has any questions, your last chance, but I do want to ask, you know, what do you say to those who are kind of doubting the impact of crypto, doubting the longevity of these NFTs and tokens being immutable for the long term, like you and I have already spoken about generational, you know, looking at our children and the potential for this technology for them. Um, what do you say to those who kind of doubt what we see in the technology? <laughs> 
I'm going to end it the way Sheila Darcy's sketch poetic would end it. It's happening anyway. <laughs> and when you understand that that's how the world works, it's going to happen anyway, whether you opt in or you opt out, whether you're part of the story or shaping the story, it's happening anyway. So it's your choice. You can, you can be cynical. You can be critical. You can be judgmental. You can be all of those things, but guess what? You're not part of the conversation. So it's up to you. I, I actually don't um, ever uh, try to argue that point because there are doubters all the time. That's life. Of course. But I don't, I don't engage with the doubters because that's not why I'm here. I only engage with people that are still here, still having the conversations like you. There we go. <laughs> because, I like it. And so the answer is it's going to happen with or without us. So let's be part of it. <laughs> That's it. The technology is not going anywhere. Nope. Um, and and I, those people are going to continue to do the bad player thing. And that's fine. It's going to happen. Unfortunately. But I'm not going to expend my energy trying to fight that energy. I want to expend my energy building what I want to see in the world. There we go. That's what we're out here doing for sure. Um, I did want to just briefly mention your L.A. art show, Modern and Contemporary Art. Mm -hmm. It's really beautiful, your pieces. And I'm just wondering how often are you doing still like kind of the physical art um, and, you know, taking part in art shows like this? Um, yeah, I'm just curious. Well, you, you might actually be shocked to know that I, I, I decided to pursue my art full time this year for the oh, first wow. time. I am shocked. Yeah, to know so that. the answer is that was my first. Oh, wow. Well, congratulations. <laughs> That's thank awesome. Thank you. Um, I've, I've wanted to do a solo show, but the reason it mattered to me not to pursue my artist self, one, I wasn't ready. I didn't think I was ready. I, when I say I'm all about healing, I'm very aware of the things that I need to be before I step into something so important like being a full-time artist because I knew it would trigger a lot of things that I may not have been able to address in a way that was healthy. Uh, but secondly, because I was in a mission to promote mental health, it was important to me that when my book came out, that my, my, my book didn't say, guess what? If you sketch daily for your mental health, you become an artist. Right. Like for me, that part of the story was so counterintuitive to the message I was sending. I didn't sketch daily. I didn't try to, uh, to to use art to become an artist again. That happens to be where I probably always have been. I just abandoned myself for 20 years. Hmm. But part of my healing journey was to address my mental health. And in doing so, I found myself again. Now, that could be anything for you. But I just felt important that I needed to separate the artist self from the message of what I was trying to do. Now, not shockingly, the person I've always been is an artist, but I needed to address my mental health first in order to find myself back there again. That's amazing. I think there's so many gold nuggets for our listeners to take from that. And even personally, I'm really inspired by that. I definitely feel like Web3 has brought out my creativity and even just being able to speak on this podcast probably has its roots in having conversations with yourself and others on Clubhouse, you know? And so, yeah, I think we're all kind of slowly becoming more comfortable with our truest kind of creative selves right and yeah. uh, i give web3 a lot of kudos for that but to your point it could be as simple as sketching something every day which isn't simple but it's a very yeah. interesting creative exer uh, exercise but something that kind of taps into like you said the flow state the play state and uh, what was the third one again interest introspection introspection there we go and by uh, the way it is easy it's just when we think about the outcome it becomes hard the sketching itself to doodling is easy. Right, it's right. just when it's our minds get in the way. Consistency <laughs> is the hard part, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's actually much more, more no <laughs> true awesome. in alignment. Well, Sheila, I'm very grateful for this uh, conversation. Did you have any final points you want to add before we wrap no, up here? No, I just want to say thank you. I'm always very grateful for the opportunity to connect with others that are in the space. And I want to thank you for all the incredible work you're doing. 
and just keep on keeping on. And I can't wait to drop the heel coin in your wallet. After oh, I appreciate this conversation. you. Yeah, we'll, we'll be in touch. And I look forward to that. And I look forward to meeting you in person as well. And I know we will yes. cross paths at one of these Web3 events eventually. So uh, thank will. you so much for that, Sheila. And to all the listeners, we'll be back next week. Until then, we'll catch you in the metaverse. Peace out. Bye.